Hi everyone and welcome to another Bible study here at One Love Live at Love Walk and I pray you're well and God is blessing in your life. As you know, we come together to read in the Word of God so that we can practically apply the Word of God and also so that we can accomplish the purpose of our lives. And I think that a part of living and growing into our purpose and practically applying the Word of God is understanding how God's world works and understanding how we operate in it. And so I think at every turn when we are reading the Bible, even if you're trying to find something you know that speaks to your own situation or uh, your own needs or whatever you may be praying for, I want to encourage you to take an extra moment to see how God is operating in that, that scripture, how he's operating, how he operates in the world. This is what's also going to mature you as a believer as you start to see his way and understand what he does. And we're going to do that right now by going into Psalms chapter 7 verse 9 to 17. That's our anchor text. It's Psalms chapter 7 verse 9 to 17. And I think this is a wonderful verse. Um, and I'm going to include one of my favorite psalms in here too. And I hope you'll take the time to read that one. And if you do have a chance, read this psalms as well. It's not one of my favorites, but I love all the psalms. So I guess it could qualify. But we're not going to read it number one. We're going to start at verse 9. Psalms chapter 7, verse 9 to 17 is our anchor text. And it reads, Oh, let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end, but establish the just, for the righteous God tries the hearts and reigns. My defense is of God, which saves the upright in heart. God judges the righteous, and God is angry with the wicked every day. If he turn not, he will wet his sword, he has bent his bow and made it ready. He has also prepared for him the instruments of death. He ordains his arrows against the per persecutors. Behold, he travails with iniquity and has conceived mischief and brought forth falsehood. He made a pit and digged it and has fallen into the ditch which he made. His mischief shall return upon his own head, and his violent dealings shall come down upon his own pate. I will praise the Lord according to his righteousness, and will sing praise to the name of the Lord Most High. So that was Psalms chapter 7, verse 9 until 17. A beautiful verse, a bit of a scary verse as well. But I want us to pull some really important things out of it. Like I said before, you know, when you read the verse, you can see lots of things about your own life and whatever's going on in your situation. But I want us to also look at what we see and what we can learn about God, because this is going to also help us for future times. The first thing I think we can notice here is that it talks about trying the hardened reins, which means God is a judge. And this is important. If you read from the beginning of Psalms chapter 7, it actually says God is a judge. And this is something we have to understand. If you can look at the shadow of the Old Testament as it reflects back uh, onto the New Covenant, the New Testament, we can see that 
with the Hebrews, God was doing a lot of great things to, he was doing a lot of shadow work. I think that's really cool. He was doing a lot of shadow work. If you can remember, he first created the priesthood, but then he created judges. There were judges in the land. So when we understand this new priesthood that we, we are in, when we fully seek to understand who God is, when we are satisfied in his likeness, and we understand how he has made us like him, that's why you have a tendency to judge, even the bad judging, <laughs> is that God is a judge, except he's righteous, so every judgment he makes is correct. Unfortunately, because we have fallen into sin, not every judgment we make is correct. That is why we are encouraged to make righteous judgment. So the first thing we want to remember about God and learn from this verse is that he is a judge, which means he is making choices. He is weighing the decisions of the heart and the things that men do. And it says also in verse 1, it says he's a righteous God and that he tries the heart and reigns. That word tries is a legal one, as one might be tried in a court of law. So God is trying the heart. He's not looking only at what it is that we do. He's looking at why we do it. This is why I always say, find your why. There's actually a Bible study here that talks about intent. It talks about um, the reasons of the heart. I want to encourage you to do it because this is going to be your most powerful stance in life as a believer is your intent. So I want to encourage you to look at that because if you want to know what God is looking at, he's not looking at what we do, he's looking at why we do. So it says God tries both the righteous and the wicked. I think this is absolutely key. Don't think that just because you're a believer, God's not going to try you. Woohoo! You know, I get off the hook because, well, you know, I'm a, one of those believers, so God's going to just overlook everything that I've done. No. God is going to try us too. And in fact, it says judgment comes to the righteous, to the house of God first. It's going to come to us first. He's going to judge us first. Okay? So I think it's really important. It says that God judges teachers greater because they know more of the word than others. I'm not talking, everybody teaches, but I mean, people who have a specific, you know, who are specifically teaching others. So understand, just because you are in Christ and just because you are a believer and you're sold out doesn't mean he's not going to judge you. He's going to judge me, and I'm completely okay with that. And then, I want you to look in Psalms chapter 710. It says, my defense is of God. This tells us something about God, and it tells us something about how we can defend ourselves. Whether you're defending yourself against someone who is truly out to get you or someone who's just, you know, throwing dirt on your name, as they say, or, or uh, trying to ruin your reputation. Or Think about that. Your defense is of God and that God is a righteous God. So if you're doing something wrong, I'm sorry, he can't defend that. Remember, he's a righteous God. So we have to remember that about him. If you're literally doing something wrong, my friend, God can't defend your name because that really is who you are. And that's what names mean. Names have meaning to God. That's why he names people things. So if you feel like someone is, your name is your reputation, 
When I say the name of my sibling or the name of a family member or a friend, it may be the same name as your family members, your co-workers, your friend. But that doesn't mean it has the same meaning to me because that name means something. It means something about who that person is to me, what they've done and the history we have together. And that's the same way it is with God. He will defend your name by the person he knows you are, not by the person that people portray you to be. That's so important. So if you really are good, if you really are righteous, remember God knows that. And I want to point this out in Psalms chapter 7 and 10. It says, my defense is of God, which means not only is God my defense, it means my defense is from God and it is made up, composed of, by him, like a watch of gold or a teacup of porcelain. Your whole defense is of God. And I think that it is okay to defend yourself in areas, you know, if someone you know, saying something wrong about you or to you. I, I'm not uh, suggesting you need to be this passive Christian, you know, just sitting in the corner and won't say anything. I'm not saying that. No, you, it's okay to defend yourself, you know. In the, even Christ, Jesus Christ told them to gird a sword upon their thigh when they went out to go and preach the gospel. So I don't think God is not telling us to defend ourselves what i do think god is saying is that he is the defense whatever defense it is that we need even if you think well i'm strong so i can defend yourself god will reinforce and fortify that strength he is the defense it means that you know my whole defense is god and god will stand up for you don't be overly concerned or overwrought with people remember God is your defense and I'm going to prove that to you in scripture if you look in Psalms chapter 127 verse 2 and this is one of my favorite Psalms as well it says and I learned this as a very young child I won't say a very young child I, I was a new Christian actually when I was a new Christian I actually memorized this verse because it was so powerful to me Psalms 127 2 says it is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrow, for so he gives his beloved sleep. Now this is very powerful and if you read it in context, it talks about, you know, someone trying to sit up and sort of protect, you know, what they have, their their belongings, their reputation, whatever. He says, don't you know I'm the one protecting that? It's vain to do that when I'm your defender. And that is why you have to know that God is with you. God is your perfect defense. Do what you can, but in the end, give it to God and go to sleep. Okay, go to sleep. Let God take care of it. Trust the God who calls you beloved. Remember in that Psalms, it says, for so he gives his beloved sleep. And I want to encourage you, trust the God who calls you beloved. And then if we look at Psalms chapter 7, verse 12, it says something that really blessed my soul. And I know it's a small thing and you may not think it's a big deal, but it was a blessing to me because it says, if he turn not, okay, if he turn not, those four little words, 
are important to me and I'm going to explain that to you. I want you to go with me to Psalms chapter 7 verse 12. It says, if he turn not, he will whet his sword. He has bent his bow and made it ready. So it's talking about God getting ready to go on the attack to punish someone who has done some evil deed, who has done some level of wickedness. But yet in the midst, it says, if he turn not, which means there is always an opportunity for God to repent of the evil that he has determined to do because someone has done wickedness. There's always a chance for you to repent. I think that, I'm sorry, I just find that beautiful. I believe there's something absolutely gorgeous in the fact that God, no matter what we do, can relent and decide that he is not going to do the thing that he had determined. We see this with Noah. We see this with Lot. We see this with mankind in many areas. God relents and he says, you know what? I'm going to be merciful. And so this is beautiful because it means that God can repent. That's what repenting means. It means to turn back, to turn away, because God is a God of mercy. And you need to know that God, who is the righteous judge, can turn. He can change. But if he doesn't, he will surely come. That's the thing that's kind of scary, too. And we learn that if he does come, it will be pretty bad but he can relent and that's what makes it so beautiful and so hopeful. And so how do we get God to turn? Maybe there's some things that we've done or we know that we've done to someone or we haven't been right or we have colluded with others and we've joined in some wicked thing or we've allowed something to happen under our watch. How can we change that? Hmm. We can repent ourselves and turn from that which God hates. We can make right what we did wrong. It's never too late. Do it now. If you've done something, if you've been a part of something, if whatever it could be, I don't know your life. You know, maybe you stumbled upon this and you're not a believer. You can change, you can do, you can, you can make amends. And you do that by acting quickly, repenting, okay? We can make it right. We can walk after his statutes and his values. But if we don't, unfortunately, in Psalms chapter 7 verse 13, it says God is preparing a devious weapon for those who cause others pain and trial and wickedness. God is preparing carefully. It means he's skillfully preparing something that will be absolutely terrifying. And who wants that? God doesn't want that. But he is a God of truth. He is a God that keeps his word. He's a God that is righteous. And so by the mere fact that he is righteous means that he has to do it. Means that he has to allow it. A lot of times we suffer things just because there's the law of sowing and reaping. You just have to get some things back. It it isn't like God did it. If you jump off of a cliff and you break every single bone in your body, I'm pretty sure... God didn't do that. That's just the law of gravity working against you. And that is why God warns us. You know, 
And I want you to understand that doing things that are not right, that we know deep down in our soul are not, they only create more chaos and trouble in our world. It says in verse 14 of Psalms chapter 7, it says, and I want to just point this out because the writer uses these terms about pregnancy to describe wickedness, you know, and I think that's really important to understand. Even the Bible uses this constantly. It talks about how that, you know, doing wicked things, doing things against others, it's going to birth something. It creates something. And I, I want to point that out here, how he talks about what it does, how wickedness is conceived. He talks about how it's conceived and, and how it brings forth. This is pregnancy language. He says in verse 14, Behold, he travails with iniquity and has conceived mischief and has brought forth falsehood. This is what wickedness does, unfortunately. It brings forth these things in our lives. And we did a Bible study just recently that talks about how love gives back. Wickedness gives back too. <laughs> like I said, people don't take the love sowing and reaping uh, seriously. All things that we do is kind of like planting a seed. A seed is like giving birth. You plant it, it grows, and it brings forth fruit. So there is pregnancy terms used, and we have to be mindful of that when we do things. Who wants to reap a pregnancy of wickedness or a crop full of pain? That is why we don't do these things. Not, because, not just because we love the Lord and don't want to disappoint Him, but because it brings trouble to our lives. This is our chance to not be judged. And the trouble with it is that it causes terrible things, not just in our lives, but in the people that are attached to us too, our family, our spouse, our friends. And so we have to know that the Lord will ensure that the wickedness that a wicked man does, or that anyone does, to be quite frank, whether he repeatedly does wickedness or not, whatever he intended on that person, that will come back to him. And this is a theme we've seen in the Bible so many times, I've mentioned it before, and that is be careful, because whatever you intend to do to someone, someone who hasn't done anything to you, someone who is trying to maintain right, someone who speaks truth, someone who is trying to do what is right, someone who's trying to live peaceably with their neighbors, someone who is uh, trying to improve their lot and the lot of others, someone who hasn't done anything to you. When we dig a pit, we will fall into it. The Bible is very clear. It says that in verse 15, that the pit that he made and that he digged he falls into it. It says that the mischief that he has enacted will return upon his own head and his violent dealings will come down on his head as well. It's important to understand that the things we do matter. You're not just living this life alone. And the things that you do, even if you don't care about it, they do come back. It's like energy. It never goes away. It's going to come back to you. So why not put out love rather than wickedness? Why not put out righteousness rather than evil deeds? 
And everyone has a chance because of what it said in that verse. It says, if he turn. You've got that if he turn on your side. You can change things. You can change things. We do that by doing, going his way and not your own. By turning from the wrong things. Making right the wrong. I hope you have the courage to do that. A lot of people say, well, Christ is you know, paid the price for me. Don't you know that if he's paid the price, that means you give him your life? You owe him your life. Now you owe him to do it 24-7. <laughs> I, I tell you, you just really can't get over or around God. His love is so great and it is so wide and it requires us to be mature in the things that we do and the way that we reach out and to interact with others. So I pray that this Bible study blesses you and you find the courage to turn if there's some way that you are not doing the will of God. And to be encouraged knowing that God is your defense if you find that you have some um, obstacles or adversaries. God is your defense. Remember, it's vain to stay up and be worrying and sorrowful. Beloved, God is your defense. And God has given you rest. So please take it. God bless you.